good morning, everybody. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily in our Friday long-form episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, despite it being a pretty slow week all around, and not only the precious metal markets and the junior miners, uh, kind of extended all the way into the broader equities. Um, so we actually have one episode for you today. Earlier in the week, we shared the first half of my conversation with contrarian macro strategist David Hunter. This was his first time being on the podcast, and it was a real pleasure to have him on. So today we're going to air the entire conversation uh, for all the listeners. So before we talked about really the inflation data that hit the tape earlier this week, but in our long form, we talk a lot about gold, silver, and also going about some of the broader aspects of the market and where where he thinks things are heading. He has some pretty incredible forecasting out there. So if you do follow him on Twitter, you'll know what I'm talking about. And he lays some of the groundwork here in this conversation. Special thanks to all of our sponsor of Mining Stock Daily for your continued support. Uh, big shout out to Integra Resources, Western Copper and Gold, Rio 2, and Corvus Gold. They got hit with some big news uh, this week as well as we reported earlier this week. But thank you so much for your support and for sponsoring the podcast. So we're going to jump into my conversation with David Hunter. Uh, if you are new to this podcast, please hit that subscribe button. Or please do leave a review of the show. It helps us out tremendously to get this podcast out in front of new people in new ears. So appreciate your review and also hitting that subscribe button. It really means a lot. All right, here we go. Here's David Hunter, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday morning. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome into Mining Stock Daily. Uh, we have a new guest to bring to you to the show. Uh, although if you have been familiar in uh, markets and precious metals and the miners and have that contrarian thought, you are probably not, you know, you're probably not unfamiliar with this gentleman. He goes by the name of Mr. David Hunter, uh, a true contrarian. In fact, so contrarian that even I sometimes read his forecasts online. I'm like, well, that's just outrageous. But uh, he's uh, he's uh, more right than, and, and I've been more wrong. So uh, I wanted to give him the opportunity to come onto the show. And uh, David, welcome to Mining Stock Daily. Yeah, hi Trevor. Thanks for having me. Uh, what a timely conversation this is. Uh, we are recording Tuesday morning. Uh, we are coming about uh, you know less than two hours off of the latest CPI inflation print, uh, coming in much hotter than. Uh, well, I guess estimated, but, uh, you know, being a contrarian estimates don't really mean much to what the, you know, what the government's trying to tell us. Uh, basically the actual actuals are coming in almost double than what the estimates were, uh, and markets are reacting. But before we get into the market reaction here off those last couple hours here, you know, give us your thoughts here on inflation and CPI and really, if this is any surprise to you. Sure. Yeah. I I don't try to forecast month to month. So, uh, I can't really say other than, you know, obviously it's way above expectations. Um, I think some of it is probably uh, the fact that we're comparing to a year ago when everything was shut down and, and you know, the economy was, uh, everything was really substandard on the inflation side. So it's easy comparisons or, you know, very unusual comparisons. 
Um, so that's part of it. But there's no question. Inflation has broken out. Um, and we are seeing, in, in spite of the Fed talking about transitory inflation, we are seeing things here that I think do have some legs. So I've been saying, I just put out uh, my my latest quarterly letter, and I said in air that some of this is transitory for sure, but that I, I suspected that what we've had in the last couple months, because of what happened in futures and elsewhere, um, we had a little bit of a backing off of the inflation worry. Um, you know, inflation expectations kind of came down a bit. Uh, not that inflation really came down, but I think people started saying, hey, maybe that was the worst of it. Today probably reignites the idea that, hey, you know, there's more inflation ahead of us or more accelerating inflation ahead of us. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think Paul is sincere in saying it's transitory or a lot of it's transitory. It is what you get when you come out of a, an economy globally that was shut down and all of a sudden, because of all the money and fiscal um, expansion, you get demand ramping up. Uh, and and the you know, particularly in the materials area, you don't have inventories to to meet the demand. First thing that goes is price. Um, so that can settle down as things get back to normal. But beyond that, I do think uh, inflation is a real. You know, we we are we are pretty much through that many decade long period where inflation just kept ratcheting down. Um, I do have a, a forecast of a deflationary bust next year. I think it's a very short-term temporary thing, but I think it's going to take inflation back down. But after that, I think we begin a very big inflation cycle. Mm. Um, so maybe concerning more of a uh, an exponential move up in inflation, and then we all know as investors, once we see something moves up in a straight line, tends to come back down. Kind of, you're, you're forecasting a similar scenario. Yeah, so I'm coming back down, but really it's because we are we're in a very unusual period because you are getting a breaking out of inflation here, but you've also got a very fragile economy with 250 trillion plus in in debt overlaying it. And I just think we're going to run into a, a case where the Fed gets caught between a rock and a hard place is forced to tighten and I don't think we have the resilience in this system. To handle almost any tightening, and you know, because the leads and lags, are, the you know, the Fed always goes too far, or always finds that you know they have to, you know, ratchet down more than they expected. And I just think we're going to see a very fast uh, unwinding of both the financial system or financial markets and the economy. Um, you know, be short, probably mostly contained within 2022. But I think you can take inflation, at least statistically, back into into a deflationary category, negative inflation, and then and then you you know you come back out of that, you gradually begin an inflation cycle. But by mid-decade, you could be you know on your way to double digits. Mm-hmm. You know, when it, outside of the CPI, I mean. You know, there, there's there's always this debate. Well, CPI only has there's half truths behind these numbers because there's so much that's left out of these. You know, what are the things that you are looking at outside of the CPI to really think that inflation is an issue now, but will be settled, but then later become even a bigger issue in the years to come? Yeah, it's it's really I'm I'm a monetarist. I really believe money matters, 
And we're going to see money like we've never seen before. If I'm correct about a global bust, um, you're going to you're going to see around the world, not just the Fed, every central bank have to print money at many times what we printed in the last year. Um, so you could see the Fed balance sheet expand to beyond 20 trillion. You could see every central bank proportionally doing the same thing. And yeah, maybe money doesn't matter when you're looking at the incremental next trillion, uh, but it sure matters when you're talking about a, an increase of, you know, 20 trillion or 30 trillion or 40, 50, 60, 70 trillion around the world. So you're you're basically going to create with a lag an inflation cycle like we haven't seen since the 1970s, early 80s. And I'm forecasting, and again, it's forecast, I could be wrong, but I'm forecasting that we will see a full retrace uh, of the last 40 years back to 20% inflation rates, back to 15% um, 30-year bond rates, mm. and and uh, could see that before the end of the decade. Um, so just to clarify, so if we're sitting at a $28 trillion Fed sheet right now. No, no we're sitting right now at $8 trillion. Oh, eight trillion. Half eight trillion. So it can grow to twenty plus, and okay. I don't know what. And I don't know what that plus is. Is it twenty? Is it thirty? In other words, we're going to have, I think, something much bigger than two thousand eight nine in terms of a financial crisis on our hands globally, which means major bank failures, et cetera, uh, more overseas than here this time. But that's going to require central banks to put money out there at levels that we've never seen before. Yeah. yeah we, we're, we're in what I call a Ponzi scheme. I mean, you've, you've been building this, this thing up for decades and it just, it, and then when it comes in conflict with, uh, you know, a pandemic first that weakens the system and then the need to tighten, we haven't been here before. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I wanted to really ask you, David, and, and I just wanted to get your thoughts because, you know, I have been labeled the same thing and at times in my career. But with your forecast, and I'm sure you've heard it like, well, you're you know, maybe some sort of monetary fear mongering or type thing like that. You know, so how do you how do you respond to that where it's like, you know, what I say is like, listen, I'm not I'm not trying to put the fear of God into you on a monetary basis. I'm just trying to show with you we are in this unknown and things could get worse, although I'll bite I hope they do not. What is your response yeah. when you get labeled something like that? Yeah, I always say I hope I'm wrong. But um, <laughs> essentially, my thing is we're, you know, I, I believe we're in the tail end of a super cycle, the last decade of that super cycle. I don't think this is the end of it. You know, I do believe we run through the decade. So I, I'm different than some of those true fear mongers out there that say, you know, the Peter Schiff's of the world that say we're down for the count this time. I believe because of all that ability to print money in deflation, you have almost infinite, infinite ability to print money that you get one more cycle. You know, you will have one more bull cycle or, you know, um, economic cycle, but that by the time we get to 2030, that's one I got, uh, you know, have a lot more problems with, um, you know, an end of end of world scenario because you're going to be dealing with hyperinflation and and debt beyond anything this world can ever handle. 
you know, you, how do you, how do you pay for um, government? You know, U.S. debt at you know they barely can afford it at one percent. How do they pay for it if we get you know fifteen or twenty percent interest rates? So. I mean, it's just, it's an equation I don't know how you solve, and I think you can't solve it. So I think ultimately the thing comes unwound. Um, how do I answer the critics? You know, people think you're just out there kind of, uh, as I say, I, I may sound like a schizophrenic or a manic depressive um, because I've got cycles going extreme in both directions. It's where you are in the super cycle. I define a super cycle as that period between two depressions. The 1930s being the last depression, the 2030s being the next depression. And I think the 2030s depression will be many times the last depression. So, um, and it's worldwide, this is global. So I, I just view it as a bit of inevitability. Um, I can be wrong by years. Um, you know, things can take different shapes, but I, I just don't think you can keep ratcheting up debt and and you know we have leverage on the on the financial system and to the tune of quadrillions in terms of derivatives you know those are all risks and you've ratcheted risk way up you know way up the scale at some point you pay the piper um am i is my timing going to be off certainly could be yeah. Uh, I'm actually in the middle of Neil Howe and William Strauss's book, uh, The Fourth Turning, right now. Literally, that's what I'm reading today. And like everything you just said, it's like, oh, this completely describes what they had written about back in the mid 90s. Huh. Has that, has, have you read that book? Have you followed this, these cycles at all with what the, they're writing about? Yeah, not at all. Oh, um, interesting. So, so this is all me. I mean, yeah, I, okay. and, and it's probably more simplistic than what they're talking. But I, you know, I'm, I'm not a time cycle person. I'm not, you know, people get mixed up because I talk cycles, but I'm really talking about economic cycles and the bull and bear market cycles that go with that. And then the bigger cycle is the super cycle that I talk about being the, the big long cycle between two depressions. Okay. Um, uh, I, I do want to get into your ideas on this cycles because I have a few interesting questions opposed to you. But before we get there, I got to get a little bit. I know you more forecast long term, but uh, given this in the inflation data, not just today, but in the last couple months, how is the market reaction? What have you seen the market reaction? I mean, the, it continues to melt up. Nobody really cares. The bond market continues to be, uh, you know, in the downtrend. Dollar continues to rise. You know, give us your thoughts here on market reaction based on the inflation data. Yeah, I, I'll um, answer it this way. I just out on Twitter today, and in my letter yesterday that came out yesterday, I raised my um, equity index targets. So I've I had a forty seven hundred target on the S and P for um, you know, and I, I I don't try to time it. Precisely, but people always want to know generally how soon. And I think it comes in the next few months, not you know, not next year, um, maybe sooner. Uh, I think we're in the melt-up phase. So I just raised that 4,700 to 5,000. I just raised uh, my uh, Dow target to 40,000 from 38,000. So I was already high on the street probably. And people think I'm nuts raising it in the face of all this. Um, and the NASDAQ I raised from 17 to 18,000. 
I think the Russell can get to 2,900. So that's, and, and you're seeing this morning, you know, you get this horrendous uh, inflation number and, you know, market's basically flat, slightly up on the NASDAQ. So, um, so that's, you know, I think that's a sign that uh, you've still got a lot of skepticism in this market. People are, you know, I keep saying, everybody says, oh, there's so much bullish sentiment out there. I go, if you look below the surface, you've got a lot of people with one foot out the door. I mean, everybody's looking for the top, right? So, and everybody's worried about inflation. So those are things that are in the market. And I think today's a good example of how that was already priced as, as much as maybe it was above expectations, market pretty much took it in stride. And mm-hmm. and I think we we are seeing the indexes either breaking out in the case of the S&P or on the verge of breakout in, in the case of the NASDAQ. Um, and I think we are going to see what I am calling a parabolic melt-up leg here between now and, and fall. Um, so I think those targets could be reached in the next couple of months, two to three months at the you know outset. And um, and by the way, on bonds, um, I don't know what bonds are doing today, um, but ten-year uh, actually uh, fell from its highs earlier. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I I've been since since one seventy five on the ten year, which was back in March, I guess, or mm-hmm. February, whenever it was. Um, I've been saying we would get to one twenty on the ten year before we started that Fed, you know, that back up in rates because of inflation, because of Fed tightening in the second half of the year. And I think I still think that we got down to one and a quarter. That could have been it, but I have a feeling we'll make one more run at 120. It could go below 120. Um, and then I think we begin a, a rise to two and a half before the end of the year. So that's the beginning of the rate cycle moving back the other way, the tightening cycle. Um, and so at least for, you know, and you could be at 120 in a heartbeat, but it might take, you know, it might kind of meander there. Rates might stay pretty much in a range between. 120 and 140 for the next month or two. And if that's the case, yeah, you're going to have very strong earnings. Um, I think an economy that's gaining, uh, reaccelerating after kind of a couple month pause and, and, uh, and basically stable interest rates. That, that will be helpful to my parabolic melt up story. What about the recent re- movement in precious metals and the gold price? I know you've got about a $2,500 forecast for gold. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's got, it, had, it got a nice sell-off a couple of weeks ago, but has intricately been rising ever since. Yeah, I, I, I pretty much uh, said that sell-off was not a fake-out, but was kind of last run on the downside. Yeah, a lot of people are thrown in the towel. It's been a long, you know, gold and silver had a great run between the the March swoon of 2020 and August of that year, uh, you know, last year. Um, and I thought we'd have like a two or three month pause and then a next leg up. And here we are, you know, 10 months later, still waiting for that next leg up. So there's a lot of gold bugs and a lot of people who've been on, on, you know, in the metals, throwing in the towel now saying, you know, that, that move down in the last couple of weeks 
was the last straw. You know, it's like, I give up. These things are going lower. I don't think so. I think they're going higher. I think if you stretch out the chart and you look at a bigger picture than, you know, the very close term, close uh, picture, um, it's one of the most bullish pictures out there. And um, I'm calling for gold to 2,500 this year, um, silver to 45 to 50. And and over the course of the decade, I think gold is going to be north of 10,000, silver probably well north of 300. So you know, I'm clearly a bull. Um, in the bu- in the bust that I'm calling for next year, you'll see them pull back from those levels I'm talking about for this year. But I don't think they go down nearly as much as the equity markets. Let's move on to the kind of the bigger picture here. And you you talk kind of about the sentiment and the breadth behind precious metals. But I want to go back to the breadth of the general markets now. And it seems like the markets and this continued rise on the markets that's literally getting pulled up by, you know, a a few companies, a few bidders. Um, It doesn't seem like a healthy market. Can Can this unhealthy market continue and continue to meet forecast expectations just based on the Maybe if maybe a few companies in the Nasdaq pulling the thing up. Yeah, I would I would strongly disagree with that characterization. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've had really very healthy rotational corrections along the way. You know, for the last several months, really most of this year, um, we've had very shallow corrections, and the reason for that is because for several months, the early several months of this year. You know, the FANGs and, and the NASDAQ took a breather. And, you know, cyclicals took over starting last November and have been very strong into into early May. From early May till now, the, the so-called value cyclical area has been consolidating at a fairly, you know, some of them sharply, but a lot of them, you know, not, not that sharp considering their runs. And, and since early May, the fangs have woke up, you know, have awakened, and and um, you know, semiconductors are coming back, and tech in general is coming back. So, you know, the growth sector has picked up the slack. So, what you're getting is what I think is extremely healthy in terms of you know carrying it forward, um, rotation back and forth, and and more breadth than you you characterized. You know, it's. It is starting to narrow, and I'd expect it to narrow into the top. Um, but I, I think this this last leg up is going to be pretty well represented across the board. So you'll see, um, I think, tech lead right into the top. That's normally what happens in a market cycle is that the leaders that got you here will stay strong into the top. So I expect, you know, big moves in the FANG stocks from here. You know, they've, they've had a remarkable uh, four or five month consolidation, high level sideways consolidation, and they're breaking out of that now. So I think the fangs will lead. I think semis, I, I've been saying the SMH, the semi ETF, uh, which I think is around 260 something, um, can get to three and a quarter in this melt up. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty big move. Um, but I also think the industrials and the, and the um, uh, materials will resume what we saw earlier this year before the last couple months and, and have, you know, not as strong probably as tech, but have pretty good moves. Um, biotech, which 
having done well is starting to wake up and look better. Um, so I, th I think you've got both growth and value that will work into the top. Um, I think the defensive areas are probably going to lag. That doesn't mean they're going down during the melt-up, but they're not going to be the performers. Um, you know, utilities and consumer basic, that kind of stuff. Um, but basically, I think considering where we've come from, um, you know, the market's doubled in a year or a little more than a year. Considering that, I think the market is remarkably broad. Um, you know, it's it's not just a few stocks that's led us here. With a move into this next and perhaps final leg up, will do you see it being more retail driven or more institutional, quote unquote, smart money driven or a combination of the both? I think it's a combination. I think you've got still a lot of money on the sidelines, both in retail and I think to some extent in institutional. Um, I think the hedge funds have um, kind of, they're there, but I think they've been nervously there. So they're not there with both feet. I think they will. I think what you're going to see is that the typical, what you'll see at the top is a typical all hands on deck, everybody's bullish. I'm going to be, you know, I, as you probably see on Twitter, I get mocked for being so bullish, you know, or uh, people think I'm cheerleading the market. I say, I'm just telling you what I think my, what, you know, the targets look like at the end of the cycle. I'm not telling you how to position yourself or anything else. I'm just calling, you know, targets that I think are going to be there. It's, I'm forecasting. Um, and, but I get a lot of people thinking I'm just, you know, one-way bull. At the top, when I turn bearish, and I'm talking about a 70 80% bear market, I'm going to have a lot of people telling me why this thing has legs and that I'm crazy to be, you know, negative. So I, I do think sentiment is going to get more bullion, much more bullion in this final melt-up. Okay. As a as a student of the markets and of these cycles, I'm just curious what you know with these forecasting. What have you been watching? Uh, what have been the lessons of the past that you have really uh, lent to to gather your forecasting for continued melt up and hit these forecasting numbers? You know, what is it about markets past that really has uh, given you foundation for this move? Yeah, I, you know, my previous life, I spent half my career as a value manager, you know, running pension money and institutional money, um, came into the business in 1973. So I saw the nifty 50 market uh, in 73. And I was, you know, I was such a novice then I, I learned more in the bear market that followed the nifty 50. I kind of, I was in the last stages of the, the up move and didn't know what was normal and what wasn't at the time. But Certainly, that um, was a great lesson early on is to, you know, learn that markets can really, uh, that you got to be aware of the risks. Um, uh, you know, obviously, the um, 82 market or the 80 to 82 bear market, um, you know, learned a lot about a lot of things and uh, learned a lot about inflation, learned a lot about how fast interest rates can back up, um, learned about you know, a lot about bear markets. Um, and then and then the 2000 market was an eye opener in terms of, you know, being a value guy. I was off the, you know, I, I was off the uh, train 
way early. <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe things could move to that extreme. Um, there were plenty of signs that things were um, excessive a year before. Obviously, it topped out. So, I you know, all those things kind of go into it. I don't think about it and compare one market to another. I never do overlays or say this because every market's different. But I think it all is part of that accumulating knowledge that I'm sure you have, too, that as you go through, you just, you know, there, there are things there you say, hey, I've seen this before. Um, and what it's done here for me is allowed me to understand that, you know, yeah, the markets can get a lot more irrational before they end. And if you can make a case fundamentally and the and the technicals are telling you that case is playing out, don't don't be so bold as to say, yeah, but that's not fundamentally smart, you know, it just or it doesn't make sense fundamentally because the technicals, if, if technicals are strong and you see a scenario that can get you there fundamentally, chances are you're going to go with that trend, yeah. you know, with that momentum. Yeah, I, th I think anybody uh, who tried shorting uh, tech stocks throughout 2020, 2021 would be a good example of just that. <laughs> yep, and and it's it's not easy. Again, my my history is a value guy. It's not easy for me because I know what the other side looks like. For you know, uh, uh, another important piece of this that I've learned over you know 50 years and many cycles, and I am a student of economics slash market cycles. Every cycle cycle has new leadership, so. You know, in in this cycle, it's been the social media tech slash tech slash um, healthcare. You know, next cycle, and I, uh, it's easy for me to see why next cycle. But next cycle, those things are going to be at the bottom of the pile. You know, they're going to be fighting distribution patterns all through the cycle because they're going to get slammed in the bear market with everything else, and then every time they lift their head because they're so overwhelmed. There's going to be another wave of selling this talking about the next cycle uh, holding them back. So uh, meanwhile, you're going to have the commodity and, and the industrial area that was so out of favor for decades uh, that came back to life in the last year. Um, next cycle, they are going to lead the pack and they're going to be at major new highs. So I, I make the case that the indexes, you know, the S&P, the Dow, the Nasdaq, will not make new highs for decades that the highs we make in this you know the top here will be will stand for maybe decades hmm. you know more than one decade um and and yet that doesn't mean there's no opportunities going forward the next cycle there's gonna be tremendous opportunities in the materials and industrial area um, yeah, I, I wanted to like kind of piggyback on the idea because you mentioned kind of the, the, the tech cycle of 2000 and, you know, obviously we saw that market rotation go from uh, the tech bubble bust into a commodities quote unquote super cycle in the early mid 2000s. Thinking back on the events of that market, are we, do we see a similar setup now with this? tech rise and commodities so low that it's got nothing to go but up. Yeah, really, if you look at the 2000, let's say 2002 to 2008 market cycle, it was not really a commodity cycle. It was more a financial cycle. Mm. So 
you know, the banks did great, the brokers did great, um, housing did great, um, and it was, um, you know, this is really the the last, you know, nine months or so where you've seen the um, commodity and material sector um, pick up speed. This is really uh, coming out of a multi, multi-decade um, period of underperformance and, and lagging. So, so I think we're just really, this is very much um, new and it's the beginning of a big cycle. Yeah. But, but it's going to, as I say, you know, if I'm right about a, a bust next year, it's those things are going to get hit hard because you're going to have demand fall, you know, through the floor and prices come down hard. Uh, I don't know whether they go back to the lows. I don't know exactly where they go, but they're going to fall hard. So I, I tell people you're hearing a lot of people talking about a com- new commodity super cycle. I go, it's the equivalent of standing on the south rim of the Grand Canyon and looking across to the north rim and thinking it's a straight line across. You know, you don't want to think that you can be in commodities now and that there's nothing between now and super, you know, super sailing. Um, You know, there's that that trough next year is going to be pretty, pretty painful. How about the precious metals as that continued, you know, ultimate inflation hedge? Um, I, I was listening to an interview with Rick Rule yesterday, and he talked about, how the big institutional money continue to be underweight precious metals. So something like gold doesn't need to, it doesn't need to win the war. It just needs to lose less badly, which I found pretty hilarious and honest at the same time, you know, but where are we as far as the precious metals market and big institutional money? And do you think that will change? I definitely think it will change. Um, Not so much in this, this run, um, but much more, you know, you get out to the mid 2000s or the mid 2020s, and I think it'll be dramatically different than it is today in terms of how institutional um, managers see gold and silver. Um, I think gold and silver, you know, have a nice run ahead here this year. Um, but I think their real story is after the bust, you know, coming out of the bust. Like I said, I, I, say 10,000 plus on gold. I don't know whether 10,000 plus is 15,000, 12,000, 20,000, but it's, it's, I think it's big. Um, silver 300 plus, I don't know whether that's 400, 500 or beyond. So, um, but I, the point that I don't need to know, cause that's huge, even just getting to those numbers. Um, and I, I do think, you know, you have to step back and realize, as I'm sure you do, you know, gold was at 250 in 2001 it went from 250 to 1900 in 10 years topped out in 2011 at 1900 and then spent seven or eight years in a consolidating pattern you know down from 1900 to you know whatever it was 1050 or 1150 i can't remember where it bottomed there and then you know it's been slowly working its way back up I, there's, you know, this is the start of that next leg after the decade long leg that it had and separated by a long consolidation. So, you know, we'll break out this year um, and and then take a, a breather in the bust. And then really, it really gets going, you know, in the midst of the bust or after the bust. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And silver, silver is a little more cyclical, because so there's probably a bigger swing there in the bust. But again, I think they are going to be to the next cycle what um, dot com stocks were to the um, 1990s. Yeah. Uh, what about the psychology? I keep on thinking about you know you know higher metals prices. But the psychology anymore, and we've seen it throughout the last eighteen months as well. Gold should be three thousand dollars tomorrow. But what you know it, that kind of like the, the 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 meme of mooning, whether it be the metal or an equity or something in a tech stock. What does that psychology tell you in terms of the cycle rotation? It's it's frustrating. I will tell you <laughs> this. I think it's a, a big reason why we had such a long period here of consolidation is that every time you get an uptick in it, the bugs would come out of the woodwork saying, here we go, we're off to the races. And it, it was like you you just needed to shake that out. And I think that's, what, that's why it's been such a long consolidation here. I can say that now. I, I didn't say that last August. You know, I, like I said, I thought we'd have a couple or three month consolidation was possible, mm-hmm. but the the fact that it's been ten months, I think, is for that very reason. The psychology out there was the bugs were unshaken. They just said, "Oh yeah, we're getting the correction," but boy, I'm I'm hanging on for the big run. And now you see a lot more. There's doubts about that big run. You know, mm-hmm. whether it be well, crypto's going to take over that role or. Uh, oh, these things have to go down to a thousand before they get going again, or whatever. I think we've finally truly shaken up that that view that was there for many years, probably because of the long run in the first ten years of the, of the century. Um, that um, you know, this was the mantra I heard a lot from, from gold bugs was, "I'm not really worried about what it does in the short run. I'm I'm there no matter what because I'm holding on to my gold because it's it's the only thing that will save us." And I think that mantra disappeared. You know, for a long time, people said, "Don't worry about um, the short-term trading and the you know, the volatility. Just buy and hold." I think that buy and hold got shaken out here in this last year. And at least to some extent, there's still plenty of interest in gold and silver, um, surprisingly, in, in spite of the fact that it's really underperformed for her number of months here. But I don't think that's going to hold it back. Um, you know, next cycle, the dynamics are there from an inflation standpoint uh, to such a degree that uh, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be psychology that's going to be driving it. Mm. Oh, uh, path back to fundamentals. How about, wouldn't that be something, David? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and by the way, it's you know, not a coincidence that the, the managements are getting disciplined too. You know, the, the mining managements were horrendous for years. Yeah. They had kind of that same attitude of the minute it picked up, you know, lifted its head, they'd be out there buying more properties or, you know, putting more money into, um, you know, worthless mines or what have you. You're seeing them much more cautious now in terms of expansion, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Yes, uh, uh, David, uh, I've taken up a lot of your time, so I, I do want to kind of wrap up by allowing you to give us an idea of where people listening can contact you. Uh, you also do have a, a newsletter out that you write about, uh, you know, your analysis in the markets, and where can that be found as well? 
Sure. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Dave H. Contrarian. And um, if anybody has an interest in, I write a quarterly letter. It's all macro-based. Um, it's not advice. It's just forecasting. Um, you can reach out on Twitter. Just uh, direct message me on Twitter and I'll provide you details. Um, you know, it's by subscription, so it's not free. Uh, David, thanks for your time. It's great to finally meet you and chat with you here on the podcast. And I really hope we can do it again sometime. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me, Trevor. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decision.